How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Young Wealth Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Ethan Lang. Before we get into today's episode, hit that follow button or subscribe button, dependent on which platform you're listening to this on. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving a five-star rating and review. Thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode. Let's bring on our guest and dive straight in. I hope you all enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Young Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Lang. And today I have a guest that has huge a podcast, a huge podcast, and he has so much knowledge to bring to the table. So please help me in welcoming Robert Leonard. How's it going, Robert? I'm doing very well, Ethan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm super excited. And you know, with that, with your podcast, you have a huge podcast and a lot of stuff going for you. And you've met with a lot of people, you know, you have a lot of experience. So I think a great place to start would just be like, what's the common denominator of success that you've realized, you know, whether it's investing finances or just success in general from the people you've talked to? From all of the people that I've talked to, I have found that the most common denominator between them all is basically that they've never given up. And you could say hard work, but I think really it's even more so that they've just never given up. I've talked to some of the biggest names in business, Kevin O'Leary, Lewis Howes, Jesse Itzler, some of the biggest names that there are. And what I've found is that they all face adversity. They're all normal people like us. But what they did is that they never gave up. And regardless of whatever it was, whether it was personal issues or it was professional business issues, they've just never given up on whatever they're working on. And Charlie Munger is probably one of my favorite examples of that. There's a lot of people that know Charlie as Warren's right-hand man, and they know his business and investing success. But what they don't know is a lot of his backstory. He lost a child very, very young uh, to cancer. And uh, there's been a lot of other tragedy that's happened in Charlie's life. And he has all the excuses in the world to not live the life that he did and not achieve the level of success that he has, yet he's continued to do it anyway. And so I think the biggest thing across anybody that I've studied myself personally and also had the opportunity to talk to on the podcast is just this never-ending desire to keep moving forward. And I think I think from me just doing this podcast and I've had the opportunity to talk to you know some of my idols and even people I look up to like yourself where I just look at it and I'm like gosh this guy's just built different like there's just something about him but you know as I've been able to talk to a lot of these people like they're just regular people you know they have they've had the same hardships they they have the same experience and stuff like that but what do you think is is different in the way they hold themselves in the sense that they keep going versus the people that, you know, decide it's too difficult for them. Where do you think that difference really comes from? I think it's different for everybody. I think, but the reason for everybody is different, but the, the overlying or the, the overlapping concept is, is probably their why. So these people didn't give up for whatever reason and whatever their reason is, everybody's going to be different, but it ultimately boils down to their why. And so maybe that's their family, maybe that's their kids, maybe that's their own personal inherent drive that they have within them. It could be anything, but I think ultimately it really comes down to their why in terms of what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, because I mean, that's a huge thing for me is like, 
I've really been looking at why I'm doing things. And I think those are the moments where it's hardest for me to, to get work done and do things when I'm not super focused on my why, you know, cause that's when you get caught up in those little things that happen in your life, you know, little emergencies that might happen with your finances. And it just all seems pointless. But when you have that like greater picture on what you're planning on doing, it's a lot easier to then hone in and, and focus and focus on that. And and, you know, one of the things I wanted to get into was just, you know, one of the ways I started um, really getting into investing was through social media, through through podcasting, like like what you've done, YouTube, even Instagram, stuff like that. But one of the things I've noticed is with so much content being put out there, you know, it's kind of difficult for people to know where to start and where to really go. Where should people start, you know, when they're when they're really just trying to start their financial journey? I think what I usually recommend for somebody just getting started is a strategy that kind of plays on that saying of a road diverges into, you know, basically the path, mm-hmm. right? You, everybody has seen the picture. There's two paths. Yep. And that is typically where I, I recommend people start. And one path whether it be the left or the right, it doesn't matter. But let's just imagine one of the paths is where you study individual stock picking. And then the other path is where you study ETFs, passive investing through index funds, mutual funds, things like that. I don't care what you choose. It doesn't matter to me. It's really up to you. But I think the important piece is to go down both paths before you ultimately pick one. That's the beauty of what we're doing here with money is you can go down both paths. Whereas in life, a lot of times you have to pick a path and go with it before you know what's down there. Whereas in this strategy, you can go down both paths, come back and decide if that wasn't necessarily the right path for you and then choose the right path and go that way. So what I recommend people do is pick one book from each topic or each strategy. And so let's just say individual stock picking, you could pick a book like The Education of a Value Investor or The Dondo Investor. Or if you really want to get pretty detailed, you could go into like even the intelligent investor. I think that's going to be a little bit dense and complex for a lot of people that just get started. But the first two books that I mentioned are very simple and they're great books to kind of give you an idea of what individual stock picking is. Once you're done reading that book, read a book about passive index fund investing. There's a ton of them out there. I personally like to recommend uh, Jack Bogle's book about uh, mutual funds. So And again, it doesn't matter which order you read these in. You can read the passive investing first and then the individual stock picking or vice versa. doesn't really matter. But just read them both before you make any any investment decisions. Don't invest any money. Just read them both first and then decide which one spoke to you more. Almost everybody, one of these strategies is going to speak to them more than the other. And then from there, go further down that path. Read a couple more books. Dive into podcasts that talk about those strategies follow people on social media or YouTube or whatever it is that talk about those strategies and learn as much as you can and then start investing that way. But my my biggest thing is that I need people to understand what they're investing in before they invest in it. I don't care what it is. Pick whichever path you want. Pick whatever strategy you want. But understand what you're investing in. And that's the first thing that people need to get started with is understanding what they're buying, even if it's crypto. I didn't mention crypto. I don't think that's necessarily where everybody mm-hmm. should start. But if it's crypto, NFTs, you know, whatever the, the most recent craze is, I don't really care. I just care that you fully understand what you're buying, why you're buying it, how long you plan on buying it and holding it for, 
things of that nature. As long as you fully understand your investment thesis, that's where everybody needs to start. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I started in the beginning was um, right when I got started, I got super into day trading, like learned a lot about it, um, went through that whole um, ordeal, you know, but I realized it was not for me, you know, and there's plenty of studies that show that, you know, most people that's not the right path. Um, and that's the thing. I realized it wasn't for me. And I think the benefit of it was by, like you said, by going down both paths, I, w I came out on the other side. I'm a huge index fund guy now. Um, think it's very important. And because of me going down the other path of day trading, it made me realize what I wanted out of investing. It made me realize that investing wasn't supposed to be a job. It made me realize that investing was supposed to be passive. And it gave me, like you said, that thesis to almost be able to figure out, you know, why I was investing, which I think is huge. You know, we talked a little before you said that the reason that kept people going was their why, you know, and I think for me, by seeing that other path, I found out what my why is. And now it's a lot easier for me to make those investments every month and make those sacrifices to then go and build wealth. Um, and for you, I mean, you've seen, like I said, you've seen so many people with so many different opinions. Um, personally for you, you know, are you a long-term guy? Like, do you hold, like, what's that look like for you? Yeah, so I'm very disciplined. I'm very long-term. And I can say that confidently today, but I was actually just talking to my, my new co-host, Clay, about this because three years ago, I had a very similar strategy, but I was not as disciplined. I would... I would jump from craze to craze. I was always looking for, similar to you, I started with day trading. Maybe it wasn't three years ago. Maybe it was five years ago. Maybe it was seven years ago. I don't know exactly where it was. But at some point in time, I was a type of investor that was always looking for a quick buck. I understood the research. I understood that there really is no way to get rich overnight. But for some reason, something inside told me that every new thing that was different was an opportunity for that. And so I would jump into Bitcoin or NFTs or any other crypto there were, Dogecoin, Bitcoin, uh, AMC, GameStop, anything like that, because I thought that it was my way. I thought that this time was different, and I thought that I was just going to be able to be that one or two people that makes it overnight. And thankfully, fast forward X number of years, however many years it's been, I don't do that anymore. I'm very strict with it my investing. I know what I understand. I know what I don't understand. I know what my goals are and I know how I'm going to get there. And so it doesn't bother me anymore to see other people making money off of things that I could have potentially invested in. I don't really struggle with FOMO anymore. And I've really just internalized this concept of having a circle of competence from Warren Buffett. And because of that, I just, I only invest in things I understand. And typically that's for the long term. And so I've become a very, very disciplined investor these days. I think that's interesting because um, a question that I was just about to ask you was, so I recently watched um, a documentary. I actually rewatched it. I've watched it before called The Social Dilemma. And it just talks about all the downsides of, of social media. And it's, you know, overuse of social media. It's fake news. It's all these things. And I had a huge issue with that as well. Like, you know, because what the news does is the news wants to put out things that sell, you know? So you hear about the one guy that invested in GameStop and made, 
millions of dollars. You know, some kid with just not that much money and just strikes it rich, you know, but you never hear about all these people that lost in that process of trying to get rich quick. Um, so I think it's great that you kind of showed that experience. Do you have any, um, you know, stories that you could tell of times where you, you know, tried to strike it rich and it just didn't happen for you and, and where you kind of gained experience from that? I don't really have anything in particular. I honestly never really made any crazy bad mm -hmm. investment decisions. I never really put, and I think really <clears throat> the reason that I can say that is because when I was doing that, I didn't have a lot of money. So that was one of the benefits is no matter how bad I screwed up, I didn't have a lot of money. So I really wasn't losing mm -hmm. a lot of money. Yeah. Even if I lost everything, it wasn't a lot. So it, it really wasn't, you know, in the grand scheme of where I'm at today, even if I had lost everything on a position back then, even, you know, today it doesn't really, I don't look back on it as a huge thing because it wasn't a lot of money. I really look on it as a really cheap way to learn and a really affordable form of education. Yeah. Because yeah, when you don't have a lot of money, you know, in the first place, it's kind of a catch 22 because on one side, you know, by losing that money in the beginning, you know, it's not that big of a loss. So it's easy to gain back. But at the same point, knowing what compound interest can do, um, that loss in the beginning also could be a big deal. So it really just depends on if you're, you know, educating yourself and gaining experience from those mistakes. Cause we've all made them. Like it's super easy for people to hide those mistakes that, that they've faced. And, um, but you know, if you can really learn from them, they're a huge benefit and they're worth the hundred dollars or a thousand dollars you might've lost if they're going to save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in the future. You do make you make a really good point about the compound interest. The only argument that I would say to that is, and this is completely anecdotal. I have no research mm -hmm. behind this. This is oh, just yeah. my personal opinion. But my thought is, let's assume you start investing with a little bit of money and you never made a mistake. You just start investing. My guess is you would have less money at retirement than if you had than you will if you make mistakes at the beginning, lose it all, and then get started a little bit later. And then invest. I, I personally think you'll still have more at the end, even though you made mistakes at the beginning. Like you said, compound is very important and powerful at the beginning, 100% true. But I think the rate at which you compound is going to be higher because of those mistakes over the long term. And I think that rate of growth can make up for the time that you might have missed from those mistakes, which can lead to a larger balance at retirement or whatever point in time you actually need that money. So that's typically how I think about it. Every situation is going to be different, right? It depends on how much money you lost, depends how long it takes you to figure out that mistake and uh, ultimately fix it and get better from it. But I think those are the different dynamics to take into consideration when you're making mistakes. Oh, for sure. So I guess, could you give me a little bit more um, information on that? Like, um, I just kind of see it in a way like the difference between um, people, where, where are you crossing the line between, you know, trying to get rich quick versus learning from your mistakes. Cause I think a lot of people could hear that and be like, you know, I just need to keep making mistakes. And I'm going to figure it out. And then they just keep taking these huge risks. Where's kind of that middle ground? Because I think you're right. Like a hundred percent. I think that without making mistakes, like the biggest mistakes that I've made from investing are why, why I'm a more disciplined investor today, but it's kind of like trying to find that middle ground between just trying all these things and failing versus, you know, sticking to a disciplined plan that maybe has proven success in the past. 
I think it's hard to to pinpoint it to one specific thing. I think everybody's different. I think you're everybody will eventually get to a point where they realize that there are things to you can make mistakes, take lessons away from them, learn from them and realize that you need to do things differently going forward. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a point in everybody's journey where they're making mistakes and they realize, and, and you could say it's maturing. I'm not sure that's the right word, but you know, maturing as an investor, you realize that what you've done in the past is not going to work into the future. And you can't just keep doing what you're doing and eventually it's going to work out. Rather, you need to realize to learn lessons and learn to improve on what you've been doing and then apply that going forward. And not so much that it's a it's not really a numbers game in this respect where you just keep mm-hmm. doing it and doing it and doing it and eventually it'll hit. It's more so, all right, I made a mistake. This is what I did wrong. These are the lessons. This is how I can get better. Do it again. And it's an iterative process where you get better each time you make a mistake. And eventually you're changing your strategy throughout iter- each iteration. And so it's not just trying to do the same thing over and over and hoping you get a different sure. result, right? That's the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. It's really iterating on what you're doing and getting better. Yeah. And one of the great things I think with social media now um, is, is you're able to see what other people are doing. I think you actually had a post on, on Instagram a while back that just kind of talked about how like in school we hear that like copying is such a bad thing. Like you shouldn't be, you know, copying, but out in the, out in the real world, like if you find something that someone is doing and it's working, like you should be copying that. You should be following what the wealthy people, you know, that have already built wealth are doing because that's the path that you can take. It's almost a, you know, express lane to getting there because you don't have to really look into it too much further and you just do what they have done. So what are the things that you've seen um, that people do? You know, you talked earlier about, you know, they, they never give up. But what are the common areas that you see of actions that these people are taking? I think the biggest thing is long-term thinking and circle of competence. So those are two things I've taken from Warren Buffett that seem to apply to all the successful investors I've, I've met and know and researched and also business people. They're all They're not going into industries or businesses that they have no knowledge of. And I'm not saying that you have to be an expert or you have to be able, let's just say you want to go into software. It doesn't mean you have to be a developer. It doesn't mean you mm-hmm. don't have, to, have to know how to code, but at least have some sort of understanding of how a SaaS business works or something along those lines. And when you do that, you need to do it from a perspective of thinking long-term. You need to realize you're not building this for overnight. And I think that's what the biggest, most successful people do is they only compete in areas where they understand it and also where they can think long-term. And a lot of successful people realize that I think the big difference between novice investors and business people versus those who are considered experts and super successful is that people like yourself, Ethan, and myself when I was younger, I th- and a lot of new investors, we think one that you can wake up one day and open a brokerage account and go toe to toe and day trade with some of the best hedge funds mm-hmm. in the world. And I've never really understood why people believe that could be the, tr- the the case, right? You're going against these people that have technology and resources and money and 
equipment and things that you can't even imagine. And they've dedicated their entire lives to this. And you think one day you're going to wake up and just decide you're going to become a day trader and go toe to toe with these guys and beat them and win. I just don't understand how people can believe that. And so what I find is really successful investors don't and business people don't do that. They compete in areas where they have a competitive advantage, where they are the person that people are trying to take down, where they know they can be the best in the world, or at least in the upper 10% of the world in that industry, that business, whatever it is. And I think that's one of the really big things that successful people do that newer investors who haven't had that success yet don't do. Yeah. And I could totally, totally agree with that point because, you know, going back to the day trading thing, when I got started, it was because I wasn't thinking about the long term. I was thinking about, you know, how can I get here super quick? And I was sold on the pipe dream of, of what it could be. I didn't think about the hedge funds, you know, making their investments. My first thought was just on the short term. How can I just get rich right away? And I think that's a lot of problem like that's a big problem that a lot of people make in the beginning and one of the things you talked about on your Instagram recently as well was you know the difference between setting short-term and long-term goals how can people you know make that difference so they can look towards the long term but also have those goals in the short term to be able to take action and and find the success that these people you know find so in the goal setting and time management world from influencers, gurus, whatever. There tends to be two camps. It's either set goals that are small, achievable, attainable. And that way, when you hit those marks, you have this dopamine hit or you have this continued motivation that continues to, like each time you cross something off that list, that goal that you do, you get another burst of motivation. You want to keep going forward. That's one kind of philosophy. The other philosophy is that if you don't set big enough goals, you're not going to be motivated enough to work towards them. You're going to set yourself too short. You could have done much more in your life. Uh, basically, you're not living up to your full potential. Those are typically the two camps. You don't usually hear about a lot of people in the middle. And that's typically the case with a lot of advice, whether it's financial, whether it's motivational, whether it's time management, whether it's goal setting, whatever it is, typically the advice is split into two sides. And what I've found is that usually the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. And I think that there's usually validity to both things. But I think a lot of times for most people, of course, there are extremes where one side is going to be better for the other. But for the majority of people, I think that the answer is usually in the middle. And so in this case of goal setting, I think you need to combine both big goals with these smaller attainable goals. So the way you do that is you set a big, massive goal. If, if I sat down and told you some of my goals that I, I keep kind of private to myself, For sure. you would think I'm crazy because those goals are, are massive. And then you take those massive goals that you've set and you break them down into daily things that you could do every single day that will eventually get you to whatever that goal is that you want. So maybe you have a five-year goal. Break that down. Okay, if I want to hit this point in five years, what do I need to do each year to make sure that in five years I've hit that goal? Mm -hmm. Now, what do I need to do every month? Now, what do I have to do every week? What do I have to do every day so that every week and then every month and every year I do what I need to do that hits my goals, that big goal, 
for the five-year plan. So that's how I think about it. I combine the two and utilize both and meet somewhere in the middle. And I think that's the most powerful way for most people. Yeah. And I think, I think the good part about that is you're defining the long-term vision first. You know, you're figuring out what you want over the long-term and then figuring out what you have to do each step to get there. You know, when you're focusing on the short-term right away and just trying to get it quickly, there's no process to actually get there. It's just, I want to get there, you know? So by finding what you want in the long-term and then setting those goals over the short-term, I think I think that's huge. So before I ask you the last question, um, where can these guests find you? Or where can the listeners of this episode find you? The best place to find me is on Twitter or Instagram. My username is the Robert Leonard, T-H-E-R-O-B-E-R-T-L-E-O-N-A-R-D. You'll find me. I have podcasts. I have a bunch of other stuff that I work on. I'm working on a book, all kinds of cool stuff. Everything is kind of centrally located on social media. I talk about it all. So that's the easiest place to find me. And then if you want more, you can dive into all the other resources from there. Perfect. So my last question, I think it'll go great kind of along with this goal setting that we just talked about. But why is building wealth important for you personally? Building wealth is important to me personally, because if you want any type of freedom, you have to have financial independence. I personally don't believe you can have true freedom if you don't have financial independence and you gain financial independence by being wealthy. And there's different levels of wealth. You don't have to be a billionaire to be considered wealthy. I consider somebody who is financially independent wealthy, whether that's a couple hundred thousand or a couple million or a billion, it doesn't matter. Wealth is having control of your time and your freedom. And so for me, my ultimate goal in life is true freedom to do the things I love with those I love. And in order to do that, you need financial independence. And in order to have financial independence, you need to have wealth. Well, thank you for that. You know, the awesome thing is whenever I ask that question, not one guest that I've had on has had it, the main issue be anything about money. It's always about freedom. It's always about their kids. It's always about something else that's not money. And that's what I think is so impactful is that Yes, money is important, but money isn't the goal. You know, the goal is that freedom for you or for other people. It could be certain things, but it's not the money itself. Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming on the episode today. Um, I know the guests are going to love it and they're going to get a ton out of it. And if you're listening to this, make sure to go check out his Twitter and Instagram. He's putting out a lot of great content. I follow him and I love, you know, seeing what he's doing every day. um, And I love getting the stuff and listening to that. So, Again, Robert, thank you so much for coming on and thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all so much for listening. But before you click off this episode, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on this podcast so you never miss an episode when it's released. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you enjoyed what you heard, please consider giving a five-star rating and review. And if you do end up leaving a review, DM me a screenshot on Instagram at realethanlang and I'll share it on my story as a thank you. If you have any questions about really anything from this episode or just something that's on your mind, reach out to me on Instagram at realethanlang by shooting me a DM, and I will make sure to get back to you. If you've made it to this point, I just want to end this episode by saying thank you. Have a great day, and hopefully I will see you for next week's episode. The Young Wealth Podcast is hosted by Ethan Lang. 
information provided by the host and guest is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. You are responsible for your own money and your own decisions. Information, content, or other materials created by Making Sense of Finance LLC do not constitute a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Making Sense of Finance and or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments.